My friends over at serenitynewsletter.com have a special opportunity open to those interested in learning advanced investing techniques in the crypto space. This membership is of the highest quality and is run by a dear friend of mine who happens to manage one of the most successful crypto hedge funds in the world. Crypto is the future, and those who make smart plays now have an opportunity to earn life-changing returns. Go to serenitynewsletter.com to watch a special video presentation now. That's serenitynewsletter.com. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Hey everyone, Mikkel here. So before we get into today's episode, I just want to mention to you that you need to check out all the work we're doing on social media. So don't worry about Instagram, don't worry about LinkedIn, don't worry about Pinterest and those types of things. Where you're going to find me is on Twitter. Every single day I'm on Twitter. We're sharing a lot of the thoughts, a lot of the tips, a lot of the breaking news is coming out on Twitter. And then add to that our expat money forum. We are doing so much amazing things in the forums. The special content that's not found anywhere else. There's a lot of networking. There's just so much happening on this forum that I really hope you get a chance to participate. And you can access that at expatmoneyforum.com. So find me on Twitter at Thora Mikkel or join the forum at Expat Money Forum. Okay, enjoy today's episode. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe. This is the Expat Money Show, and today's guest has led a most interesting life. Today, he is joining us from the United States, but normally from Costa Rica. Growing up in the cold north of the U.S., moving to Florida, and then choosing Costa Rica as home, Gil is a true expat. He says his book, The Caribbean of Costa Rica, Living and Invest on the Last Frontier, was written to help expats buy international real estate, specifically in Costa Rica. In 2005, with a partner, they started Grandview Estates on the Caribbean Sea, which they lovingly call the last frontier in Costa Rica. They sold out of their first three phases and are finishing up on projects in phase four. Please welcome to the show, Gil Phelan. Gil, how are you? Oh, great, Mikkel. Thank you so much for having me on today. And, you know, I've been going through some of your podcasts and to to be on with Grant Cardone and George Wheeler and the like is... uh, a real honor, so thank you. Well, it's my pleasure. Well, I've I've actually taken a real love affair with Costa Rica, so I have some alternative uh, motives for having you on. I want to pick your brain about Costa Rica and understand a lot about this country because I see a lot of opportunity there, and I think that my listeners will also feel the same when we dig into it. But maybe before we get into that, you can take a couple of minutes and explain how you ended up in Costa Rica in the first place. Oh, well... It's, I, I'd like to say it's a serendipitous affair for sure. Because, uh, listen, I'm a typical American. I, I probably couldn't have pointed to Costa Rica on the map at that, at that point 20 years ago, you know. I'm from New York and, and New Hampshire and Pennsylvania. So Costa Rica is a little bit off my radar. But, you know, my kids grew up and I ended up in Florida uh, doing my own thing, was getting a divorce or I got divorced. And uh, I just said, hey, I want to do something different. And originally I was thinking of going to Honduras. Uh, Because a buddy of mine had been there and said, oh, man, there's great diving. The weather's great. And I said, oh, 
perfect. And as I got talking to my coworker, that was where I was uh, working in West Palm Beach as a yacht carpenter at the time. Uh, it was a German guy who used to go to Costa Rica every year. He said, oh, you don't want to go to uh, anywhere else but Costa Rica because everywhere else has hurricanes and you'll love Costa Rica. You got to get there. So I said, okay, well, I've never been to Honduras either, so why not start with Costa Rica? So, I mean, I think it was like six months later, uh, you know, I booked a flight and six months later I was down here and I fell in love with it my first weekend. And I think that's what I'm finding over the years of working with other people. It's just hard not to. If you don't love it when you're there, you're, you know, obviously there's a mismatch because it's the most beautiful place in the world. And I just thought, hey, I, I want to do this. And if it doesn't work, I'll just do something else. Did you ever end up getting to Honduras or to any of the neighboring countries? No, no, <laughs> no I fell in love with Costa Rica the first weekend. That was it. Love at first sight. They used to have, and they don't do them anymore, and I'm not sure why, but it was called the Highlights Tour. And what they would do, it's an all-day affair. They pick you up at six in the morning in San Jose. You go to a, a volcano. You go to the coffee plantation. You go to the river to see monkeys and crocodiles. You go to a butterfly farm. And I mean, by the end, and of course, you're fed all day, great coffee, great natural food from the area. And I mean, I just fell in love with it my first day. I said, well, why go anywhere else? This is it. And I was there six months later. I just started packing up my stuff, selling everything I had, and and there I was. Well, you know, one of my big first trips, not my first trip, but one of my really big first trips was hitchhiking and backpacking through Central and South America. And Costa Rica is noticeably different than a lot of the other Central American countries. I've been to all seven Central American countries. I lived in Guatemala for five months. I live in Panama full time now. I think that Costa Rica is so different because they didn't, they didn't have the wars that a lot of the other countries have. They don't have that that trauma, that giant scar on their history, that somewhere like El Salvador has or places like that. So I think that it really shows through today when you visit and you speak to the people. That it doesn't exist. Have you have you kind of seen this uh, in your own experiences? Oh, absolutely. Not only have I seen it, but because I had the you know opportunity to literally speak to thousands of people over the years, you know, uh, going to conventions and, and things like that. That really is a, a common theme of anybody who's been serious about uh, you know moving down to Central America anywhere. Uh, they just say there's such a difference. Not that I mean, there's some places that are badly different, right? I mean, when you're, when you're having wars and gangs and things, but in general, places like Panama, Belize, even Nicaragua, they have such beautiful things going on, but then you get a real feel for the people and you notice there's something different. And I noticed there's something different because uh, Costa Rica has a lot of Nicaraguans in the country and you can just, of course, yeah, yeah. you can just tell there's a little bit of a difference in the culture of the two countries, even though they're, they're neighbors, right? And I, I think you hit it right on the head that, that when people are serious about it, when they spend time in Panama and these other places, they say, you know, Costa Ricans are really nice and they're really friendly, just to a level I don't see in other places I go. Well, it is. It's almost like a trauma. And, I, you know, I've never been through war, you know, thank goodness. But things like that are going to leave a scar on the psyche for years or generations to come that type of mentality it shows through so with costa rica never going through that i think that's one big difference i think another big difference and you know i'm i'm 
very curious your opinion, and I would love to dig into this, is Costa Rica has really branded itself as like an eco place. So they spend a lot of time and effort and energy, you know, preserving their nature, and they really promote these types of things. Maybe you can talk to us a, bit, a little bit about that. that yeah, you're really very uh, well-versed in what's going on for not having lived there. It sounds like you know <laughs> as much as I do after 20 years. I like to read. I like to read, and I like to research, and I like to talk to smart people like you. Well, I mean, you have to read and talk to the right people and read the right things, right? That's important. I mean, that's that's probably one of my biggest jobs is is overcoming some of the uh, just downright fabricated stuff written and said by people who have never been there. So, uh, you know, and that's why I always invite people, hey, when you come down, this is not going to be a seriously, I mean, to a degree, it's going to be an analytical decision, right? Uh, but it's really more of a feeling. That's what I find. So when you're, and I encourage people, hey, go to Ecuador, go to, go to you know, Belize and Panama, go everywhere. This is your life. Make sure that it feels right. And I thought that this is going to be more of a feeling than, than anything else. So heart, else. not head. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it has to make sense, too. I mean, don't get me wrong. And I mean, so you have to use your intelligence there, too. Don't, don't you know, buy a 30-year-old book and say, hey, I can live in Costa Rica, you know, on 15 bucks a month, right? It's, I mean, years ago, it was probably right, because the cologne was, you know, for one cologne was a big deal. Now it's virtually nothing. So. Uh, I'm sorry, I forgot what you what you asked me. Oh, we're just curious about the eco eco lodge, eco everything. Like it's, uh, they've taken this idea and really run with it. Like I can't think of many countries in the world who promote themselves so much. And I have friends who are into I don't know how to say this in a nice way, like hippie type of living. Maybe this is totally, but I uh, want to be more in touch with nature and you know leave a uh, less of a footprint. You know, what's your opinion? What is your experience with this? Have you seen that? Is it true? Is it not true? What's uh, what's your thoughts? I mean, you could go both ways, but I think, you know, I, I heard a saying once that I really liked. this: said, God created Costa Rica last because by then he had everything figured out, you know? And and that's really one of the things you feel when you get there is 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 when you delve into, I don't mean San Jose, listen, I'm not a city guy, okay? That's why we built where we did. But when you're exploring a real Costa Rica, you would be hard pressed to to find anything more beautiful. And I, I haven't done near as much travel as you for sure, but I've done enough where it's like everything's a little bit pale once you once you've been to Costa Rica. And and again, it's something in their DNA, it's something in their culture that they've always they're very humble people, but they're very proud of loving their country. I mean, they've got to love and again, I think it goes back to some of the army stuff too. They said, "What are we doing? We're killing each other. We love each other. What are we doing? This is silly." So they they stopped their army constitutionally in 1948. So you know, folks that I know and my age and my wife my wife's age, they grew up with that. So it's not only the non-confrontational, you know, peaceful culture, but it was enjoying the beauty that God surrounded everybody in Costa Rica with. So you can have it really any level you want. I mean, if you want to live, uh, uh, if, if you love the people of Costa Rica, because they're dispersed throughout everywhere, right? In the cities and country. So you could be a city person and enjoy Costa Rica and enjoy the best malls and, and, and things like that. Uh, and travel out. Like, like I know you told me before you're uh, like a spoke in the hub, you know, you stay in one place and you go back and forth. Uh, yeah, and I mean, I kind of do that where I'm at in, in, Grandview, because 
I can get to the other side of the country in an eight hour drive easily. So there's nothing that's out of my way. And, and, and I've really explored the country. I and mean, so if people really want to know where the best true places to go, you know, Tortuguero National Park, I've been to uh, Cocos Island, Isla del Coco twice on liveaboard uh, dive operations. And that's the most fantastic place you'll ever be. Do you dive? I do. I've got my master scuba divers. I did my open water in Belize in 2002 or 2003, my advanced in Honduras, my rescue diver in Malaysia, and my master's in the Philippines. Awesome. And I've awesome. dove in probably 20 different countries, probably not, probably not as many dives as you've done, but in many different places all over the world. No, that, that's um, neat. I'm an instructor as well, so you know I've really fallen in love with the diving. Uh, you got to put Cocos Island on your bucket list. Well, then, you got to take me. I, I'm coming to visit. <laughs> okay. Hey, listen, I've been due. I trust me. My wife says, "Ah, oh, you've done it twice already." Here, here's how here's how beautiful it is, and and I mean the whole country in general gives you this type of feeling. But my last uh, time I went to Cocos, there was people from Germany, a man and a wife. They've been to Cocos. 25 different times. Wow. And that's 25 times. Now, understand, the liveaboard's 5000 bucks because you're there for 10 days. Everything's provided. Uh, so they're paying 10000 for the trip. Their, their airfare and all the other stuff. You add that up. So, so you spent well over a quarter of a million dollars and you keep coming back. Says, well, it's the best place in the world. Why would we go anywhere else? Amazing. Well, and that's so neat because, you know, we can talk about the the natural beauty in the mountains, in the forest, and the rainforest, which, you know, is often discussed with Costa Rica. But it also extends, and that mentality extends into the water, protecting the reefs and protecting the wildlife, the fishes and the sharks and everything like this. So um, I think that that is really ingrained in the people um, and so hugely important because so many countries... They don't understand how important tourism is. And a lot of countries will just look at their natural resources as something to be exploited. You know, cut down the trees, pit mines, you know, pump the oil, things like that. And that's one way for a country and for businesses to make money, to make revenue. But there are alternatives to doing that. And Costa Rica is an excellent example of how, that they, how they can protect these things and still make it very profitable and employ their people and... Um, and offer something unique to the world, which doesn't have that so much damaging effect. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they, they've tapped into that. And really the genesis of that started probably in the mid 60s and early 60s with Kennedy. Kennedy was the first one who really reached out uh, and, and started this brotherly because they're like a big brother to the United or They're like the big brother to Costa Rica. Right. But Kennedy's the one who started it. So he he lent a hand. He put money into some infrastructure. And that's another thing that you'll find, that there's a bond between Costa Ricans and the Americans that's generational. It's because they've been so closely related and so uh, they regard each other so well and they love each other. It's, it's really like a, a family relationship. You're not going to find that in, in some of the other countries like you. I'm not going to mention any countries, but some just with some of their internal problems, the last thing they care about is us unless it's taking advantage of us in some way, right? But there's been this uh, symbiotic relationship, for sure, uh, between Costa Rica and the United States all these years. Now, you talk about 
practicality too. They're, they know what they're doing. It's not, oh, I love my places and they're great. They take great pains to protect. Well, it's, it's even in the Constitution, I believe, from my understanding and from my research, a lot of these things that we're discussing are actually in their Constitution. Yes, yes. I mean, you, you will be in more trouble cutting certain trees down than if you robbed a bank. And I'm not exaggerating to any degree. They take it very seriously. There's no uh, oil exploration allowed according to the Constitution. And there was only one gold mine, and that was shut down because they're pretty nasty operations. So it started with one of their previous presidents, and there's, there's some uh, political heat over that uh, to this day. But they shut it down, and I, I believe it's the only country on Earth where from satellite it's greener than it was 25 years ago. Wow, interesting. Well, you know, and you just brought up a really interesting point uh, a moment ago about the relationship with the United States. And I think that's a great way to segue. I'm curious, when you walk down the streets in Costa Rica, what is the, the mentality of the people of having an American, a gringo, in their country? Do they like it? Do they hate it? Do they, some countries have a really negative opinion and, you know, have had really bad experiences. What's, what's your experience with Costa Rica and with the Costa Rican people? Well, it's probably my first trip that was back in 2001. My first trip there really set the tone uh, for the rest of my life there because right away I realized there was, a, there was a, a like for gringos. I was in the Mercado Central in downtown San Jose, and it's real, that's a really cool place you got to go to. Uh, it's 150 years old. It's the real Costa Rica. You go in with the different sodas, which is a small restaurant. And it's just like going back in time. But back then, gringos were a little more rare. This boom in real estate didn't start to about 2004. So in 2001, yeah, it was pretty cool. I'm walking around. I had some T-shirt. Obviously, you could tell I'm from the States, you know. And people were stopping me and testing their English out on me. And I felt like, you know, a movie star, for goodness sakes. It was kind of neat. Now, that's, that's dissipated to, to a great degree because, you know, the whole world's changed a lot in 20 years with phones and TV and all that other stuff. So, you know, they're a lot more used to what we do, but it's still that familial relationship and feeling is definitely still there. Now let's, let's, you know, a lot of times we're talking about things and we try to paint everything with this rosy glow that it's, it's Nirvana. There is no Nirvana, right? I mean, it's the, the world is the world. One thing I was told, and, and I think you need to know this, wherever you're going to move, wherever you decide is the place for you, every country is unique. And because of this big brother relationship, there's always been a tendency to look at gringos as we're all rich, which probably in a lot of respects we are in comparison, because the average worker there is getting 400 a month or whatever, right? It's been a long time since we worked for 100 bucks a week. So there's a tendency for them to look out. Oh, well, they can afford it. They can afford it. I mean, it's even come to the point where if you go to a, the museum in San Jose is a good example. If you're not a resident, if you're not, if you're not living there, you pay double. So if you're a visitor, you pay double if you're not, which, and that mentality is still there. And once you're aware of it, you know how to go about it. So no, once you're there, you know that pineapples don't cost $2 a piece. They're only a dollar a piece. So, that, that's one of the things you're going to learn. 
so they're looking at the gringo as, hey, you're you're our big brother, you're rich. Mm-hmm. And that's Walking just the mentality. ATM machine. <laughs> and not in a negative and I, it may sound negative, but I don't mean it to be in a negative light. It's just the way they grew up. We we were their big brother. We were giving them money. We were giving them a handout. We were giving them a hand up years ago. And, it, you know, that's dissipated, too, to a certain degree. But that's something to be aware of, you know. If, if you, they could tell, they know what the rental cars look like. So if you pull up to that roadside market and, you know, they might charge you double for your pineapple. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, a whopping two dollars a pineapple opposed to one, you know. That's yeah, that's one thing. But uh, and you know, once again, correct me if I'm wrong, but my assumption would be, when you try to incorporate yourself into the country and the culture, you know, you probably get a slightly different response. You know, I've been living in Panama for the last nearly a year, maybe ten months, something like that, and you know, I've worked really hard to study Spanish. So now I can go on the street and I can ask things. I don't have to ask for an English menu. I can have conversations. I can talk to people. You know, I've made a giant effort to incorporate myself into Panamanian customs and culture. I assume Costa Rica is the same. Maybe, yeah, if you're, you know, straight off the airplane and you're a tourist is going to be one thing. But if you actually locate down there and you spend part of the year there, you know, you've got a holiday home and you start learning the language and some things about the music and the culture... I'm going to guess you're going to get slightly different treatment from people. Yeah, you hit on a really good subject there. And, and, and we could probably do a whole segment just on that, that mentality. Yeah, when you're coming as a visitor, that's a whole different mindset anyway, right? Because I tell people, listen, tips are included. Most restaurants you go to, there's a 10% tip already included. So, but a lot of people, you know, they're, they're having fun. They're on vacation. Oh, the guy was so great. The girl was so great. I'm going to give him another 10 10% tip or whatever. That's fine. But when you're living there, that's the sort of stuff that really is not helpful because you're trying to, you're, you're living your regular life. In the States, you don't go to McDonald's and give them double for the hamburger because you're so cute. Yeah, <laughs> it would be a little bit bizarre. So that, that's a really important thing to, to understand is this, and it's probably like preaching to the choir, the, the folks that are listening to us now, I guess, but you're there to enjoy the differences. If you want everything the same, don't go somewhere. Don't go to Costa Rica. Don't go to Belize, right? If you, if you love where you're at and you're happy and you don't want anything different, don't, don't leave. If you do, be prepared for the differences and to embrace them. I think one of the, the biggest things I learned from my builder when I was working with him, he is not going to speak English. He, this is his country. You're speaking Spanish. Great. As bad as it is, I learned how I can I can communicate, you know, like a two like a second grader probably, but that's a, it's enough to get by, right? So I made the effort, they appreciate the effort. But one of the things that I that I've gleaned was so cool. When you're dealing with the right people there, you're you're adapting to their culture, their way of life, and they respect us as well. So it's really a melding of the two cultures. Okay. So my, my builder understood that when I'm telling you, cause I was a yacht carpenter, so that's a little bit of a picky woodworker, right? But he, he really wanted to, to build the best house possible. He was great with his block and his brick and his tile work, but he was a little bit lacking with the wood. So we got together, we understood, Hey, we're going to take your good stuff and my good stuff. And it's all going to be really good. I mean, one example is 
this is the cultural thing too. When you know, you're talking about adapting, I said, Juan, you know, your guys are over there talking on the phone while they're stuck in the wall. Tell them to put their phone down, be faster because this is a big job. You're going to make more money and build more homes. He says, Gil, I can't do that. I said, why not? He said, because if, if I'm too tough on these guys, they don't really need, because we got free health care, the weather's perfect, all we need is a piece of tin over our head to, to, to have, call it a house, they'll just quit. I have to be gentle with them. I can't, I said, well, that's a little different than American standards, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're not under the thumb. There's not, uh, you know, massive amounts of credit card debt and people are going to be taking away their house. and Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, no, but that's the fun part, Mikel. It really is to me to go in with that open mind. I think all of us, and I'm sure you've run into it where where you're at in Panama, we all go, well, that's not the way we do it. You have to give that up. Okay. Because this is not Kansas anymore. So adapt to it, whether you like like the Manana syndrome, I'm sure you have that in Panama as well. You know, in the States, if somebody says they're, they're going to be there at 9 o'clock and they're there at 9.05, you're all mad and wondering why they're late. Well, heck, in Costa Rica, it might be 9.05 the day after they're supposed to be there, right? And, you know, hey, if you're going to let that stuff drive you nuts, you're not going to be a happy person. So, you know. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> the, the, the timing one is difficult, though. I find that one very, very challenging. You know, having employees or how we're working with people or having someone to come in and paint the house and they're like, yeah, we're going to be there at 8 a.m. sharp. You sure? 8 a.m.? Yeah, yeah. 8 a.m. sharp, sharp, sharp. All the rest of the people, they're all rubbish. You can't count on any of them. But me, I'm really good. 10.30, they walk up and they're like, what? What's the big deal? You know, like, oh, my car broke down. Oh, I had to make a phone call. Oh, I had to do this. And it's, it's, a, it's a reason. It is not an excuse. It is a reason why this time it couldn't happen, uh, as they said it would, you know, as, as was agreed upon. Um, I find this one challenging. Yeah. Well, listen, Mikkel, they, they, I, 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 I may be wrong, but I don't think they have the term a, yeah. a sharp anything, okay? <laughs> I don't think that exists. But here, let me give you a practical reason for it, okay? This is, this is cultural and generational as well. My wife was the big deal in her family that she got a car when she was 40 years old, okay? Nobody had cars. When I moved there, there was half as many cars on the street, which was a nice thing. They took buses. And my first job, I used to, I was teaching English in San Jose. One guy used to have to take three different buses because he was coming from Guanacaste somewhere, but they wanted true English speakers to learn from, right? So we were very desirable. So he would take three different buses. Guess what? Sometimes they're late. Sometimes they don't show up. So the whole culture got used to that where, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm a victim of the bus system here. If I'm a half hour, to me, half hour is not late in that culture now. If somebody's a half an hour or even an hour, you don't even blink an eye. Now, the next day, yeah, you, you have to get a little irritated, I guess. But uh, I think there's a reason behind it. <laughs> <laughs> 24 hours, yeah. I, that, that would be a bit frustrating. Okay, we're just going to take a quick break. 
So if you guys haven't joined Expat Money Forum yet, then I don't know what I need to do to get you guys to go on this. The conversations in this forum are just unbelievable. The networking is fantastic. There's so much things being shared with the group that honestly, it's more than just me. It's more than just this podcast. It has grown to a life of its own. We have over 2,000 people in our private group discussing things like immigration, asset protection, travel, food, culture, history, everything about being an expat and going overseas. There's tons of work being done on Plan B residencies, on different passports. We're even talking about SIM cards, international SIM cards, and the best places to get your internet if you're a digital nomad and you're traveling around the world. There are so many things that are being shared by people who are actually in different countries, who are digital nomads, who are expats, who have gone offshore, and there's just so much there. So I'm really excited about it. I hope you can see that I'm really thrilled about this group because it's just more than I ever expected. And a massive shout out to you if you are part of the group and you are contributing and helping other people who are looking to get where you are. You are an awesome person. I really, really appreciate it. So if you guys want to get involved, if you want to join the conversation, then go to expatmoneyforum.com or on Facebook directly, you can search for Expat Money Forum. You'll find us there. We should come up on the very first page. And yeah, join the group, join the conversation. Lots happening there. Okay, let's jump back into today's interview. But no, I think I think that your point um, is very valid. Uh, incorporating yourself into someone else's country and culture is really important because if you don't want to do that, then why are you why are you going there in the first place? I've lived in eight different countries and I've traveled to more than a hundred. I am able to do that because, well, I, I like the differences. I find them really enjoyable, and even if I don't find them. Even if I don't agree with it or I think that there's more effective or efficient ways of doing things, that's not what I'm there for. I'm not there to teach people. I'm not there to, to make their country or their culture better. That, was, that would be so arrogant of me. What I'm there to do is just experience life, you know, and experience it in a different way. When I lived in the Middle East, trust me, life is very different there. Living in a Muslim country with a mosque blaring five times a day, starting at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, the call to prayer is a very different experience. Now, I could have let something like that drive me absolutely crazy in my first six months there, but it was like, I'm not going to change it. Either I accept it and, you know, try to understand the reasons why, or I don't. You know, I, I understand about a lot about Islam that, probably most Westerners never will because I was open to that and probably more so than a lot of uh, other expats who lived in the country. And I try to do that with all places. And I think that um, Central America and Latin America is under the same vein. You, you really need to be open and, and try to appreciate things for the way they are and, and not try to change them. Well, that's, that's perfectly said. There's a, you, you captured it right there. And, and I, I, I tell people that, listen, I don't want... We started this as a dream. You know, Grandview was, was a way for me to, to be in Costa Rica because I loved it. And I fell in love with it. Then I fell in love with my wife and I fell in love with her family. And I thought, hey, this would be a great way to, to be in Costa Rica. Her parents were getting older. And I said, I want her to, and I love her family for goodness sakes. So, so I want to I wanna be there. So let, let's, let's do this, this uh, real estate project. And over the years, trust me, it's not a, 
it's, it's it was not a monetary decision. Sure, you have to make a living, you have to feed yourself and your family, but this was really to share the dream. Okay, it may sound silly. I don't know. May people may may think I don't know, but that's the truth. This was my dream come true, and I wanted to provide help for people who want who had the same dream. And sometimes people don't know what their dream is. They're at a certain point of life where they just know they want to change. Okay, they, especially, I don't know, I mean, you're a younger guy than me, but, you know, a lot of people, when they get to their 50s or 60s, says, okay, you know, I've, I've done this and that, it's been great, but I've got this urge for something different. I want something completely different, all right? I want people to make sure they're making the right decision, you know? If, if, if you're not uh, cut out for Costa Rica in some way, I can actually pretty much tell you that because I've dealt with so many people over the years that I, I would rather suggest to you that it may not be a good decision. You know, for whatever reason, sometimes it could be just being an intuitive thing that I, that I can feel from the person. But if you're going to come down and you're going to be unhappy, that doesn't do anybody any good. Right. And, and I'm not interested. I want you to be sharing the same dream. And it's so easy. I mean, when you come into Grandview, when you're watching the parrots and, and toucans and macaws and monkeys and the, the green beauty, if you don't like this, there's nothing I could do. <laughs> I mean, it's either you love it or you don't. Exactly. If you want, you know, big city amenities, then this is probably not the type of place for you. If you want to get back to nature and you want a quieter life and you don't want to hear traffic and, you know, this might be a better option for you. Right. But, but I think you hit it right on the head, Mikhail. I think you did a, a great job with that is that you have to come in with the mentality that you're going to be willing to change. Okay. And I don't mean drastic, drastic, but there has to be some flexibility. You know, you can't, you can't expect their culture to change for ours. And, and that, of all, of all problems that I've seen with, you know, Americans over the years, uh, relocating, that was it. You know, they think that they're going to be more flexible and then turn out not to be. And it drives them nuts. I would just say it's, it's really two sides to the same coin. Because as much as you said you don't like people being late and it, it still, you know, grinds your gears a little bit, you don't have to be crazily on time either. Right? I mean, I find myself driving down the street well, by American standards, if you're not 10 minutes early, you're late. So you're, you're driving like some lunatic because you don't want to be late. You can leave all that behind. If you're a half hour late, don't worry about it. Yeah. So you get, you, that's true. You do get a pass on things like that. I'm, I'm pretty good at adapting the, the time. I am still a stickler for the time. I guess this was, you know, it's really ingrained in me. And I think as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, um, I think it is an important characteristic. But um, you, you mentioned the monetary, and I know that we're, we're talking a lot of the heart stuff, but let's, let's dig into the monetary. Let's, let's dig into the, the head stuff a little bit. Is this a good option for someone who is looking to, you know, maybe has social security, maybe has some type of pension or retirement account, and they're looking to live uh, um, somewhere else? Is Costa Rica a good option for that? Is it a bad option? Is it the same? How does that, uh, how does that work? First is the heart, for sure. And I want to make sure that, to me, that's the most important. 
Because if it seems to make sense on the ledger, but your heart's not into it, don't do it. Okay, first come down there, get your boots on the ground, get a feel for it. If you think it's doable, of course, look, it's like anything else. There's going to be challenges and work and differences. That's all fine. So make sure it feels good in your heart first, because I can guarantee you there's nowhere you're going to go that's more doable uh, from a dollar value. I mean, a, well, I guess if you go, uh, you know, if you're living in the middle of Haiti or something, that, that, but that's not what we're talking about. We want to trade, we want to leverage, and I think that's probably the best term to use. Once you're 50 or 60 or whatever, even 40s, you can leverage some of the monetary advantages you have in the States into Costa Rica. Okay. So when you start putting your pen to paper and you're looking at the expenses, if you can't afford to do the Caribbean, now I'm not talking San Jose, San Jose, Costa Rica, to me is almost like, you know, uh, Miami or New York expense wise. Okay. It's, it's, it's not going to save you any money. And the lifestyle is not something I would promote or be excited about anyway. So therefore that's why I'm on the Caribbean, not only because I love it, the, the whole natural aspect of it, but it's still doable. And the reason why is it's all geared towards the locals who are plantation workers for the most part. We're in the heart of hundreds of thousands of acres of bananas, plantains, pineapples, coconuts, cacao. That's the bread and butter of the Caribbean of Costa Rica. And it's still the real Costa Rica. I mean, you know, you go into San Jose, it's a city, and I, not being a city guy, there's nothing that, that would make me fall in love with, with San Jose. And I've lived there for a year, so I, I can tell Out of all places that you could pick to live on Social Security, the Caribbean and Costa Rica is, is, is a perfect fit. It really is. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to go by the numbers of, let's say, $1,500 a month, which is kind of an average uh, Social Security payment these days. You can definitely live as a couple on $1,500 a month. The caveat to that is everybody who I've dealt with in, in Grandview so far has purchased their lot. Well, I mean, we finance, but they don't, they don't count on having a monthly later on for their home. Okay, so... No, right. Yeah, so no rent or mortgage or something like that. They, they, they own their property, which I think a lot of retirees probably would, um, you know, a big portion of their wealth would be in their primary uh, residence. So if you sold your primary residence in the United States, purchased something in Costa Rica, then so that's kind of the preface. It, I yeah, suppose. well, and, and when, when you're looking at the monetary aspect, I mean, you're very familiar with Toronto. I'm telling you, the people in Toronto, they think I'm lying to them when I say, hey, listen, you can buy a lot and a home for $125,000. And they're going, what? I'm paying a million dollars here for a two-bedroom little ranch, and I can't live on the three pensions that I have. You know, so they, they can't believe it. But that's, that's just the way it is. Because you're coming into a part of Costa Rica that's geared towards the locals who are making 400 a month. And then that's the, the family is the guy working. The mom still stays at home most often taking care of the home and the kids. So they're living on 400 a month. So you're transferring your life into an area where the average person makes 400 a month. So obviously it's going to be a, a very inexpensive place to live. 
So it's it's, it's very durable. So fifteen hundred. What what would fifteen hundred dollars get you a month? Well, let's start with the major expenses that you know we wrap our head around when we're thinking. And then this is another thing you know. You can't take your situation here and move it there. You have to really look at each one individually. You can't assume that because I'm doing this here, I'm going to do that there. To me, the most important uh, benefit is the healthcare system. My wife and I have our, we're, we're both on the same policy. It's 80 bucks a month. That's 100% coverage. That's my prescriptions, all hospitalization. There's no deductibles. Now, it's a social health care system. There's some differences there. They're geared towards more older people and kids. They're the ones who tend to need the most intensive care. So there's going to be differences in, 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 in your health system as well. But the biggest difference is the expense. So you go in with a mentality that they're not going to steal your home if you break your leg and you can't pay for it. Right? They're not going to come after you for that. I mean, I have so many good examples of, of, of when I went in, let me give you a quick one, just to give you an idea of the mentality of the country as well in the system. I fell off a ladder, the ladder fell on me and it, it cut me in the nose and I went home and I said, oh my goodness, I think I need stitches for that. So I went down and this was before I was even on this, this uh, health program I'm on. I walked into the hospital and I said, oh man, can you stitch this up? Well, do you have insurance? I said, no, I just meant I'm going to be paying cash. You know, I didn't mean I, so that they didn't even ask me my name. Okay. They, they take me back. They stitch me up. They told me, Hey, come back Friday and we'll, we'll take the stitches out for you. So to me, that kind of wraps up the whole mentality of Costa Rica's health system. You are going to be taken care of. And once you're a permanent resident, you're required because people were taking advantage of the situation you're required to be part of the CAHA, which is a social health care system, and to, to continue your permanent residency to be there. Or you can become a citizen after 65 very easily. So that's basically what you're looking at. So you've got that and your property taxes. If you build a $200,000 fancy home, you're talking four or 500 bucks a year in property yeah, instead of four or five thousand or more. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, my place in in uh, Florida between HOAs and taxes is ten thousand a year. It's insane. That's why I'm I'm moving. I said I'm. It's crazy. I'm not getting any of my money's worth. What was I thinking? <laughs> right. I mean, it's a great investment. I, I invested in, and and that's another thing, Mikel. I really like to to hammer home with people is first feel it with your heart. Second, understand it's still a good investment. You know, there's some places even in Costa Rica. Yeah, they're not mutually exclusive. Just because it's a heart doesn't mean this is a bad decision from the head side uh, to keep coming back to this analogy. But yeah, I, I understand. You understand where I'm coming from. So but it, there are places in Costa Rica that, and, and friends of mine, you know, are salesmen for these places. And they'll have to tell people, hey, this is not a place for investment. You know, it's really, you're not going to double your money in five or 10 years. This is a, a, a living situation where you're going to make the decision. This is where you want to live. Mm -hmm. It's a pure lifestyle. Yeah, it's your lifestyle and that's what you're going to pay for. So don't, don't expect to, to flip this place in, in, in a couple of years and make a lot of money. Whereas uh, it's opposite where we're at because we, we were so ahead of the curve. And listen, I'm a dummy just like my business partners. We just had this dream. We just wanted to do it. 
we're no, you know, nothing intelligent about us, I don't think. And we just said, we want to do this. And we bought at the right time. People who, some of our friends and, and business associates and would come and say, what are you guys, nuts? Nobody's <laughs> ever going to live here. Well, 10 years later, the whole story has changed. The country has changed because of the, the uh, CAFTA, the Central American Free Trade Agreement. The whole country is absolutely different than when I moved there. Okay, and in a lot of good ways. But because we bought before then, we're still keeping our prices low. So to buy into our project is still a good investment decision besides being able to live on a, on a monthly budget that's really, really reasonable. Well, those are good points. I want to hammer home on a little bit more of the, uh, the, the monetary, the economic. Um, and you brought up a, a point, and I don't know which one it was, but just made me think of something. I guess it's about the lifestyle of how you transfer your life down there. I would think that if you move to Costa Rica, you build, you, you, you know, this is probably applicable not just for retirees, but for people who are entrepreneurs who have online businesses or just want to, you know, maybe they're coaches, consultants, anything like this. I think that in Costa Rica, you won't have to have the, the keeping up with the Joneses like you will in Canada and the States. You don't need to have the two brand new vehicles parked in the driveway. You know, you probably can downsize in a lot of those things um, in Costa Rica that, you know, people just don't care about. And um, that's also going to save on a lot of the expenses. Uh, you just you just won't have those types of expenses. That's really funny you said that because that would be the furthest saying that I could ever put into Costa Rica is keeping up with the Joneses. Absolutely none of that. Not to say, listen, Mel Gibson uh, has a place there. Kevin Bacon has a place. Brady, the, the, the football player. So you can still come to Costa Rica and enjoy it if you're filthy rich, or you can come if you're on Social Security, and both of them work. Okay? And one thing you mentioned about, and I, and I wanted to bring this out, when you're learning to speak Spanish, it's, it's, it's a real sign of respect for the people. And, I, and I've had I, one lady in particular, I, I can't forget her. She absolutely refused. She was miserable. She couldn't understand why she was miserable. Costa Rican people are, are the gold there. The, I mean, the country's beautiful and everything else, but the people are so wonderful. And I'm married. They're family. I love them to death. They're great people. If you're not going to speak Spanish and make friends in Costa Rica, why are you there? Right? Are you there just for your house or for your car? Or are you there to enjoy your life? And part of that is to be part of your community. Get to know the Costa Ricans and because they're wonderful people. So uh, to me, that's the most the money part. You know, if you would put things on a ladder, the money, the money's on the bottom wrong. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Well, I, I got I to gotta hammer home on the money a little bit. This is the expat money show, so we do discuss the finances. Oh. So I, I, <laughs> I have to keep coming. My listeners are going, he doesn't want to answer it. He doesn't want to answer it. I, I'm going to push you. I'm going to push you. All right. Some, some, some lightning round fast questions. Okay. Uh, okay. We, we handled pineapples. Pineapples are $2 <laughs> instead of, or $1 instead of uh, what they might want to charge you is $2. But you know, I think in Canada probably, and I'm going to take a guess, pineapple would be $8 or $10. I know in the UAE it certainly was. What, what's the, what do you think someone might spend on food, on groceries, on produce, on things like this? Uh, I understand your point. 
it, let me put it this way. If you think that $1,500 is just too much a month to live on, I don't know where else you're going to go. So that's, that's the basis. I'm saying most people there, 1500 is fine. It's not a problem. You've got two retirees at three grand. You're going to have a problem spending your money. So I don't mean to discount. Don't, don't talk to me about money. I'm just saying that at the, at the bottom of the uh, rung here is your 1500 a month. You're going to live a nice lifestyle if you buy your home outright. Okay. So you go, I would probably put food as the most expensive aspect of your living there. And it, it, it boggles my mind to, to, to look at the pricing, but it's almost like the States. If you go buy a chicken, the chicken's going to be about, you know, if you buy the rotisserie chicken at our local store, you're going to spend five or $6 for that. And what, what, what I think is, well, gosh, for us, it's okay. It's no big deal. But what is the guy who's making 400 a month? That's an expensive chicken, right? That's the sort of stuff that I can't figure out. I don't know, you know what they do. That's why they eat a lot of rice and beans. Um, so food is probably number one. You'll probably spend, you'll spend 400 a month or so, depending on, I mean, of course that can vary either way. Right. But, uh, when, when you get good at buying your fruits, cause they're everywhere all year, most people, gosh, I mean, there's a big health thing going on with everybody in the, you know, every intelligent person today is, is being more careful with their food. So you know, with the fruits and vegetables and everything else, if you wanted to be a total vegetarian and just eat fruits and vegetables, gosh, 40 bucks a week, plus growing your own. But if you just wanted to buy everything, 40 bucks a week, you're going to come home with, you know, a half a pickup truckload of, of fruits and vegetables. Well, that's the thing here in Panama, we order all our fruits and veg from a friend of mine who has some farms outside of the city in another province. And it's like, like we have to get a, a trolley to carry up the fruit and veg um, up to our place. And it's like, you, no one could carry this. And he sends me the bill and it's like $90 for all my fruit and veg for weeks. And this is so amazing for me. The fruit and veg tastes like it's supposed to. It's not, it's not like back home where it's been sat on a boat for days and weeks and then it was in a warehouse and then it was on the, sh on the shelves and then you put it in the fridge. Like the, the tomato was already two months old by the time you eat it. It's like it was picked the yesterday or something and then you're eating it. They're so red and juicy and, you know, um, all the fruit and veg. And I know in a lot of the Central American countries, uh, Costa Rica included, the quality, the freshness and the organic is, is definitely there. Oh, you, you hit it right on the head again. No doubt. When you eat a, a fresh mango uh, from fruit, it's like, wow, I've never tasted anything. We just had a mango here in Florida the other day. And it's like, if, if they blindfold you, you, you wouldn't know what you're eating, right? It's unbelievable. So yeah, not only is it really cheap to buy all your food and vegetables like that, the, the taste and, and Costa Rica, I've never seen where the top soil ends. It's volcanic soil. And, you know, I've seen excavations and people digging stuff. I don't know if it's, you know, when I'm in Pennsylvania, my top soil was about an inch thick. Down in Costa Rica, it's 20, 30, 40 feet, pure soil. So, yeah, your, your vegetables are, are, are pulling up the pure minerals and nutrients that they're supposed to. And it is different. And I noticed, too, with the, with the plate of food, we have what's called the casado. I don't know if you have it in Panama. It's just a, 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 the plate of the day, basically. And when you finish that, it's not a big, you know, 
meal that's going to feed eight people like you, many Americans expect to have to get now. It's the right proportions. And when you're done, I don't know even how to describe it, Mikhail, but there's a sense of being satiated that you don't get in so many restaurants in the States. When you're done, you just feel different. You feel better. You feel satisfied, you know? So when you combine that with the, fr the fresh fruits and vegetables, yeah, the, 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 even if you're spending the same amount of money as you would in the States, you're getting a whole different product. Yeah, that's very, very true. Um, to continue our lightning round, and, and the Expat Money Show, we're certainly not about finding the cheap place. This is definitely not a, we, we, we're not uh, super budget, budget conscious. I just think that the differences in, um, in price for what you get is so different. Like, if you want to eat all organic food in the United States, you know, and you're living in California, you know, you're probably spending a lot more than $400. Like, you're spending a lot of money. But even if the quality was the same, which I, I would argue it is not, um, yeah, the costs are so different. But, but let's take a couple other examples. If someone wanted to go to the cinema, if they wanted to go to the movies, just a general ballpark figure, what, what might something like that cost? That's in San Jose. That's part uh, just, a, you know, we're talking my place in the Caribbean. We don't have the cinema. There used to be an outdoor cinema. It's not there. But I go, I go when I'm in with my family in San Jose. You will go to the nicest cinema you've ever been in your life. The reclining chairs, they'll bring food to it. IMAX, the whole deal. I think it's $10 a, a seat. So the kind of those VIP ones for probably half the price or a quarter of the price. And what about a beer? You know, I want to go out. I want to have a beer. What's something like that cost? You know, that's a really good question. And I don't drink, so... I, I would be just be venturing a guess. It's like two dollars and fifty cents, I think. Beer, no, beer's not cheap. It's not cheap. Well, I think that is pretty cheap compared to what. Well, what probably the last time you had a beer, probably maybe it's gone up a lot since then. I know that you know. For example, when I lived in Abu Dhabi, if I wanted to go out and have a beer, it'd be fifteen dollars for a beer. So you know. Two bucks for me is, is a really good price. Maybe in Canada and the States it'll be cheaper, but in a lot of places I've lived, or when I lived in Australia, you know, you're not getting a beer for less than 10 bucks. So just to put things in context. Well, a meal, if you go down the street, there's a couple, they're called sodas or little, it's a little local restaurant. It can be the back of somebody's house or just a little very curbside sort of thing. We can get a really nice lunch. Uh, you can get a filet of fish with fresh vegetables and a nice fruit drink, which I miss in the States. You know, they have great fruit drinks all in all Costa Rica. You can you, you get lunch for six bucks. Nothing wrong mm -hmm. with that. Six bucks is quite a good price, <laughs> especially when we, we go back and highlight all the differences. All right. I want to dig into a little bit about your property. Um, you know, God, Gil, me and you have been on the phone 10 times, 20 times talking about different properties in Costa Rica and I've been picking your brain, you know, and, and I guess this is a good opportunity, you know, to kind of tell people that we, um, I've been looking for a partner in Costa Rica and after talking to so many people, I do feel very confident and very comfortable with sending my clients and my leads down to you guys. Um, and I know that you guys are going to take good care of them. But for the listeners, let, let's dig into your property a little bit. Like what are the differences what are the price points? Why, why would someone 
want to choose to work with you and, and not one of the other developers that are in Costa Rica? Well, the Pacific side, the Pacific side got ruined right out of the gate. When the, when the boom started and I was living there before, trust me, the, the, the differences I've seen almost make you ill with, with what they did with, with some of the landscape and stuff over there. But back then, it was a boom. Everything was a million bucks. And the, the, the economy in the States was wonderful. A million bucks was nothing. Well, let's borrow a million and build a place. So they got spoiled. The, the workers got spoiled. The, the builders got spoiled. The developers got spoiled. So even when they cut their price in half, to me, it's still too much. I'm not a cheap guy, but I like to spend my money wisely, okay? And I brought that to the people that I work with, okay? Uh, I know, and it's a wonderful thing that we all have such great access to the internet. So everything I tell you, you can find out for yourself, you know, do your own research and, and you know, just back it up. But my one part my one, uh, he was kind of a business partner at the convention stall, not a business partner, but we hung out a lot. And I just know all the information from his place. It's a very popular place. I'm not going to say where it is, but his land is $45 a square meter. And I understand why it's on the Pacific. Uh, the municipality they work with to, to determined they need so much more infrastructure and they were gringos and they just hammered them. They just hammered them from the word go. So their expenses were more. And so now their, their price is 45 a square meter. Mine is 10 or 13. So it's basically one quarter. And it's not that you're getting less than you're actually getting more because in this particular place, it's very cliffy. Okay. It's close to the beach, which we don't have. We're about 14 miles as the crow flies, but on the Pacific, the land comes straight out of the, the, the ocean and it's steep. So when you go to build a house, now you got a huge expense preparing your property because you're basically cutting a cliff out and making sure the dirt doesn't run away in your crazy rains. Okay. Yeah. And I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, wow, we really, we really provide a great bang for the buck here for our land. It's rolling hills. It's easy to build on. The preparation costs are so cheap. So number one, that's one, as far as the money aspect, our land is about a quarter of the price, more or less. And I always encourage people, go look, I'll tell you where this place is. Go over there, look what you, what you can get, come over here and get twice or three times as much for the same money, right? Well, I remember you telling me on the phone one day, you know, you actually encourage your clients to go and look at the other properties before they come and see yours. Now, I've worked with a lot of people in the world, and I've never actively seen someone try to push them to someone else's property first so that they're educated, so that when they come back to you, when they actually see your place, they can see the value, they can see the differences. I think that's a really smart way of doing it, and it really shows that you stand behind your product. Um, and there's a lot to be said for that. I, I truly want people to be happy, and, and I know you could take a chance and go, well, you know, the Caribbean is, is quite a bit different than the place I'm talking about. I mean, I, there's a lot of places, but this one that I'm using for direct comparison is a good overall uh, comparison. You may just say, I like it better. Well, good. God bless you. Enjoy it. <laughs> you know, because it is not always about the money. Some people, the difference between spending a hundred and five hundred thousand dollars isn't that big of a deal. So if you like it better and the money's fun, go for it. God bless you. I want you to be happy. 
you know, but so I can take that chance and say, just promise me to come over to me last. And you, you can really rest assured that you've done your true due diligence. You're not always going to go on, gosh, I don't know that guy over there in the Caribbean. I wonder what he had. Yeah, you can scratch that in. Now you're going to know. So, and that's fine with me. Yeah, we've, we've sold 91 out of our 121 lots. So obviously there's enough people who, who thought the differences were, were worthwhile, right? Um, Building-wise, very simple. Uh, I just renegotiated with my builder. He's actually lowered his prices over the last 10 years. There's another difference in Costa Rica and the United States, right? Imagine that. But because he's not greedy, what's happened, and I know him, it's him and his family, his, uh, his crew is all his cousins and uncles and nephews. Uh, they're just interested in living a good life. They're not greedy. He's honed his business. He's gotten way better over the last 10 years. He's gotten to understand what Americans and Canadians want. So he's way more efficient in doing it and providing a great product. So therefore, he can blow in there. Boom, boom, boom. Everybody's like a well-oiled machine now. They know their job. They know how to do really good woodworking. So he's actually lowered his prices. So direct comparison to, to this one particular place, and others are usually more expensive than the one I'm talking about on the Pacific. He's getting $125 a square foot. I'm getting 56. And our product is better. Why is it better? Because they have to build, because they're going up the mountains so much and because they need air conditioning, which we don't, they use styrofoam in the walls. And there's nothing wrong with it. Well, it's it's really, I mean, there's a it's a good concrete structure and block structure but the main section of the walls is styrofoam, which is actually a better insulator than, than block, okay? So it serves its purpose, but in reality, if I were doing the same sort of building, which is it's a good, good way to build, it's fine, I could charge even 10% less. So you're taking your 125, comparing it to my 56, and so you're, again, we're like a third, a third to price, more or less. Talk to me a little bit then about the the build themselves. These are these are cookie cutter. People have one choice, two choice, three choice, or this is uh, custom builds. Everything's custom built. Uh, what I found, and here's another difference in Costa Rica. Um, you would think, oh, if I if if we're doing cookie cutters, or if I if I give you my already done engineered plans and I give them to you. No, everything has to go through our architect to pass uh, the stringent requirements of Costa Rica. Because there are uh, earthquakes in Costa Rica and tremors, that's the basic, it's not like Florida has hurricanes, they have their, they have their tremors. So everything has to be built to their standards. So there's nobody in the states who is going to give you what they need to pass inspection. So you have to go through the architect anyway. So you might as well design your own home. Because mm -hmm. I love that. I think that's so great. And um, I've seen videos. You you were nice enough to send me some videos when I was when we first started to started working together and became friends. You know, the craftsmanship and the working of the builders actually working is what I'm trying to say. Some video of that, and I thought the quality was really top notch. And the fact that these are custom builds for these types of prices is just 
amazing. You know, I can I I work in a lot of different countries, and sometimes you see good prices for real estate and things like that, but a lot of it is just cookie cutter. You know, and a lot of them just. You know, they build all 100 units all at the exact same time, and there's no modification. You guys actually build one by one, if I'm not mistaken, right? Oh yeah, no, it's totally one by one. Um, and it, here's another thing that that's different. In your mind, you would think, okay, I want a big window in that wall. So now you're not going to have to put rebar, block, concrete. So that should be cheaper for that. 50 square foot or whatever. No. My builder goes, how big is the building? Okay, it's uh, 100 square meters. Okay, $56 a square meter times 100. There's your price. <laughs> okay, so he doesn't take, well, I, I use three less blocks. We're going to take off $2.95. That's not the way it works. So everything's custom. Uh, the quality, because... Their expertise is definitely block, tile, concrete, roofs. They've always done that beautiful. Where I helped, because I was a yacht carpenter and I had a cabinet shop years ago, and I'm real picky with woodworking, he noticed right away that the advice I was giving him was very well-intentioned. It was going to make him a better builder. So over the, I worked with him directly for four years and just giving him little hints here and there, how to back cut, you know, when you're putting two pieces of wood together put a one degree back cut so they meet. Oh, he thought he never heard of such a thing, right? So now he's really the best builder that I know of that I've had uh, the opportunity to work with. So do you guys build all your own cabinets and everything like that? Do you do all the woodworking? Yes. Okay, wow. Made out of cedro is cedar because it's very, it's, it's a great product for the Caribbean has a higher general humidity than San Jose. So you need something that's not going to warp and twist with the humidity. So cedar, it's a beautiful wood too. So everything is, yeah, it's not press board. It's not yeah. cheap uh, particle board. Yeah, Home Depot stuff. No, it's custom made to, to suit. And that's all included in the 56. So the 56 is custom doors, custom windows, custom cabinetry. You pick your tile. Now there's a range of tiles. Yeah, if you want something, you know, really crazy, you'll spend more. But at that baseline price, today it includes granite. 15 years ago, granite wasn't really that typical in Costa Rica. Now it is. So everything is granite, custom cabinets, beautiful tile. That's for 56 bucks a square foot. So paint us a picture then. Someone decides that they want to you know, buy this as an investment, move down there full time, have it as a summer home. It doesn't really matter. Someone wants to come down and they decide that, you know, they want to build a property here. How big are the lots? What should someone expect to pay? What's the time frame? Kind of the, the nitty gritty in general terms, if you can, sir. Yeah, I will. Uh, number one to, to, to start that off is it's so much different than when we moved. There. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't know who we were in the municipality. They thought we were uh, drug dealers or money launderers. Who are these crazy gringos coming out here to do something? We've got over that. So they trust us. Everything is smooth as silk. So, you know, the permitting, the architect work, the setup is, is a piece of cake. You don't even have to be there. With today's technology, now I'm not suggesting that by any means, but it's possible today with, with our technology because our, our uh, cell system, our signal is so good, you can do videos from everywhere now. 
So you could watch the builder every day. You could probably set up a, a camera and watch him <laughs> on, on site every day and turn it on if you wanted to. I wouldn't suggest that because I don't know. Being a builder myself, it's like, you don't want to see everything I do because I made a mistake when I fixed it. You'll never know, right? So I'm, I'm not suggesting that. But basically, uh, and one of the funny rules that you can take advantage of is that in Costa Rica, if you build something under 600 square meters, you don't even need to get a permit. Oh, okay. Okay. So that cuts out the architect. You can cut out the architect. You can cut out the municipality permit and all that stuff. If it's bigger than that, it's still a piece of cake. You just uh, get the architect. You can get get his involvement to any level you want. He'll actually come out every eight days and do a physical inspection and report. If you don't want to do that, and I suggest not to. If you're using my, the only builder I work with is going to verify is Juan. You don't need to pay the architect. Because Juan is an expert, there's, there's no need for the architect to oversee his work every eight days. Maybe once every two months to send your report pictures, I guess, but it's not needed. So you very simply get the architect to put your plans in, tell him what you want, draw it on a napkin, send it to him. He'll do the design according to the standards of, of Costa Rica. You get the permit and you get started. It's about six months to build any size home you want. And we've done them from 500 square feet to 5,000. The reason it's six months, because he'll just get more people, more of his family, and they live on site. Okay, they build a bodega. Every day they work from six to six, the whole crew. And they live there in the bodegas, so they get and the boss is there. That's one of the most important things that, uh, the important reasons I picked Juan is because he's on the job site every day. He doesn't, he's not a big shot where he's got a crew and he's driving around in his fancy truck. He's the worker. He's there. So nothing funky goes wrong because the boss is always there. So they live there. They go home on the weekends. So six months, if, he, if it's a big house, Juan hires 10 more people and, and they get it done. Um, like I said, with, with your virtual uh, technology today, I mean, you'd have constant communication with Juan. His, his one son has grown up now since I've been working with him. Uh, he's like one of the foremen. He's, he speaks English. He's got his phone. You could call him up and he could show you anything that's happening on site. Uh, very simple contractually. Uh, the one difference is because the, the foundation and the frame is concrete. And, and rebar, that's the most expensive part of the job. So to get it started, you don't just, hey, here's here's 100 grand for the house. You pay them in segments and you agree, hey, in certain parts, you get to disperse more money. The biggest part would be in the front. It could be close to 50% because that's what they need to get the foundation and everything done. And then you give them a couple more payments till it's finished. So six months would be an average average time frame to expect it to be done and the punch list when we're done Mikel when you come and do the inspection the, the punch list I see are so minor you now there's a, oh, a little piece of grout missing behind the bathroom door you know there, there's never been an instance one is he's really like my family I, I, I love him I love his family uh, without him we would have never been successful and I think he thinks the same with us. We've given him an opportunity to 
to become the best builder on the Caribbean of the country. So uh, I highly recommend him, and I promise that you will be as satisfied as you can be. I don't care about the money aspect of what it costs. He's going to build you a beautiful home. Mm -hmm. And then the lot size, how big are these already cut up the lots, or do you cut them up um, afterwards, or how, how does this work? No, sir. They're all they're already segmented. They're already uh, everyone has its own uh, plan O or um, I'm forgetting English too. Uh, survey. The survey is done. It's all registered. Uh, so our lots are on average. They're all bigger than one and a quarter acres. They have to be the way we did it. Uh, it's an agricultural sort of uh, uh, project. We didn't want. My partners and I were the same thought. We didn't come here to, to segment these lots into quarter acres. Near Costa Rica, you want to enjoy the beauty in the jungle. You don't want to be looking at your neighbor, you know, right next door. So everything's at least one and a quarter acres. It's in a gated community. There's two accesses that you have to have a code. So it's not just, you know, people wandering around. In phase four, where we're at, almost all the lots are on a stream as well. Okay, and that's running. My lots, I, I changed, I used to subjectively price my lots. Say, well, this lot should be uh, $12 a square meter. This one's a little different. This will be 14. This one will be 10. Nobody agreed with my subjective opinion, right? So, it's, okay, let's take the bottom line. This is what we were looking for at a business at the end. Let's just divide it up. So now the lots are basically priced at 75000 a piece. There's a couple that, that have a little better views or, or, or some accoutrements there that's a little bit more money. But basically, it's 75000 a lot, one and a quarter acre minimum, up to one and a half acres. So you can put, if you put the 600, uh, the, so well, it's 750 square feet or 600 square meters, if you put that house and a lot, you can do that for around $130,000. Then the $130,000 is with the lot? With the lot and the home. Let's so for 130000 And, okay, with the land itself, do you, is it leasehold? Is it freehold? What is, do, you, do you own the land outright? How does this work? Because this is an important point. Yes, sir. It's fee simple. It's fee simple, just like the United States. It's in your name. One thing I really like about it, it's, it's all computerized. So you can access your, uh, the plan number, the survey number, at any time in a national registry and know, because I see something in the States too. There's some, some sort of scam where people are going in and taking title, somehow getting a title to people's houses and selling it and stuff like that. Well, you can't do that in Costa Rica. I mean, it's registered in your name. You can put it in a corporation if you prefer. There used to be better benefits to that tax wise, et cetera. They're gone. So I suggest, if you're going to do an IRA rollover, where it's going to be more of a business transaction or even an Airbnb sort of business, I think the corporate protection is a good idea. If it's going to be just something for you, you can put it in your own name. There's no Costa Rican needed to be on the title with you. No Costa Rican bank owns it. It's yours. Be simple. Yeah. So you're titled, you own the land. It's yours in perpetuity. Um, 
which is such an important thing that I think that a lot of people who are first-time real estate buyers outside of North America really need to look at because sometimes this is the case and sometimes it is not and you better know which one it is. <laughs> it's pretty important. I've had two, well, actually one of our owners who has a beautiful home in Grandview now uh, originally purchased in Nicaragua. And this was in the mountains of Nicaragua and they had some issues and they said, you know, it just, it doesn't feel as right as Costa Rica. And I know in Mexico too, there's been a lot of stories in Mexico because I don't know how it works. You have to have a Mexican on the deed with you or the bank. And so many people I know have, have lost properties for that reason. So yeah, we, we don't have any. There's ways around it with a lot of the different countries. And I work in so many different countries, but I mean, you really need to know and understand. But Costa Rica, this system is is the simplest and it is, you know, helps cut down a lot on a lot of the legal fees and the structuring fees when it's uh, st so straightforward. So basically, to reiterate, for 130000 and up, you can have a lot that's anywhere from one and a quarter acres to one and a half acres on the Caribbean side in Costa Rica, build, done for you, six months, cedar cabin trees, uh, granite countertops. Wow. Like, tell me many places in the world where you can do something like that. Like, that is just unbelievable. Well, I'm surprised we're even, we still even have anything for sale. But I think the thing is, it's, I don't know if you get a feel for me or not, but it's just me and my partners who are just average guys. We didn't come in with, and I've seen, Mikhail, I can't tell you the horror stories over the years of, of, I don't know, people just coming in, throwing, a, you know, 20 million, they're, they're the big shots, they've got their helicopters. Next thing you know, when there's any issues, I mean, when that, the 2008 crash happened, listen, we're paid for. We have no debt. We have no responsibilities to anybody. We've paid for all the roads, all the electricity's in. We're not selling something to continue building. We wanted to make sure we were different. Okay, because too many of them went under when, when something went wrong, they couldn't pay the bank, everybody loses. Okay, so it's just me and my partners, we're chugging along happily and, uh, you know, just listening to myself and listening to you reiterate, it's like, man, that's a really good deal. <laughs> well, yeah, because I don't think that a lot of people understand this. If you start traveling up and down the Caribbean side of Latin America, there is the whole coast is just littered with hundreds of projects of that that got started and never were finished because the financing that these development companies took on were so aggressive that if they didn't make their sales numbers they couldn't pay the bank back and a lot of the banks just foreclosed on the properties and you know a lot of people have lost a lot of money and that's why with all of the developers that I work with I do a lot of due diligence, and a lot of that is looking at the company and the financing structures for the company themselves. And, you know, that's what I really love about working with you, Gil, is that you're a very down-to-earth, you know, regular guy. I can just have a good conversation, a straight conversation with you. You're a straight shooter. You know, your company is conservatively managed. Um, you haven't taken on, you know, massive amounts of debt and leverage, 10 times leverage, so that you can build these in... You know, if you don't sell them in six months or a year, then the bank's going to be knocking on your door. That's just not the case. If we sell or if you sell these things tomorrow or if you sell them next year or if you sell them in a couple of years, you know, 
it's just the time. It's not uh, no one's going to be losing their money, and because you have the track record in this in this space and you've been there for nearly twenty years, it's a really smart investment, a really smart play, and I really like that about you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, we have no debt. We there is zero debt, and you know. Some of the projects that, that were well-intentioned and, and did good. I mean, like I said, I would love to have a helicopter. I like helicopters. But, you know, <laughs> me and my partners just decided, you know, we built this place. And you mentioned Social Security. We, that was our, it wasn't our goal, but it was our kind of map of, of who are we going to attract to our place. To, uh, nothing, listen, I love money. Everybody loves me. Nothing wrong with money. I have nothing against somebody living in it. Mel Gibson has a, you know, beautiful mansion, $10 million. God bless him. Okay. But our dream was not that we saw that happen. He said, listen, there's a lot of people who want to share our dream in Costa Rica, just average folks. Let's do something that somebody on 1500 a month or so can live here and enjoy it. And that was our, that was our roadmap that we followed and, and, and we were successful with it. And it was not because, of our vast experience uh, or our vast intelligence, we just went with it with our heart and we went with it, I think, with the intelligence enough to know that huge debt and stuff like that is not going to be a good thing. So let's start out phase one. We started at a bit at a time. We didn't blow the whole thing out. Phase one, hey, things are looking good. Now it's time for phase two. And when people come down, they see what's there. It's not a pie in the sky dream. Imagine in five years, you're going to have, no, they can come and this is it. Do you like it? Great. Yeah. Well, then I think that you even take people around to see the property. You'll pick them up at the airport and give them a quick tour and things like that. Um, you know, I think that's very humble and it's, you really stand by your product. People know who you are. You're a bit of a personality in the space. You know, you look at some developers, you have no idea who owns the company. You have no idea who who's actually behind all of it. With you, you're very upfront. And I guess that's one of the main reasons, like the ones we, we mentioned before, some of the main reasons why I'm so thankful and so happy to be working with you on this project and, and uh, helping out in my small way where I can. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And and mentioning that, yeah, we do the tours. I've listen. I've had tours up to seventy people, literally busfuls of people. That doesn't work. It's like herding cats. You're not you're not connecting with anybody. You're not spending any quality time. I tried it with seven or eight people in a van. Uh, it's the same thing. You always get that odd bird in the back that ruins it for the whole weekend, right? So, so listen, I'm better off. It's uh, we do personal tours. Okay. The, the price is very dependent on because we will take you to different hotels and things like that. So it depends on the time of year. The most you're going to pay is a thousand bucks for a few day tour. And you're with me and usually my wife, my wife accompanies me and she's much prettier and smarter than I am. So you'll enjoy her. Um, but you know, the, the neat thing is we do it as couples and we found the important, you know, guys are different, right? We say, Hey, uh, we could do this. Let's go down. We don't, what do we know? The girls, on the other hand, what about the security? What about this? What about that? There's a lot of other aspects involved. So it's great that me and my wife will spend time with you and, and, and try to round out the whole thing of all your concerns. And like I said, the, the main reason we like to do these tours is we spend three days. I call it a seminar tour. It's not just I'm not a tour guide. I've spent a lot of my life, a lot of my money 
building this thing, living in Costa Rica and learning the country, and I'm willing to share everything I know. So when we're spending three days together, I mean, you have the whole opportunity to ask me any question, go anywhere, look at anything, and by the end of the tour, I don't really have any slick, slick willy, you know, sales closings. It's normally, okay, so what's the next step, Gil? That's the way it ends up. Yeah, this is not some uh, high-pressured sales scripted thing. You're pretty pretty down to earth just, just answering questions, showing it off, and the property speaks for itself, and the numbers speak for themselves. If you're interested, then good. If you're not, then that's okay, too. You know, this is not going to be a, a, a lot of pressure, eh? Yeah, if it's not a fit, you're going to know it. I'm going to know it. And, and, and I will, I'll tell you, if I, if I don't think it's going to be a good fit, I'm, you know, I don't want you to be there miserable and making everybody else. We got a small yeah. community. Yeah, it's a community as well. You've, you've really built a, built a community there. So it's important, the people that you let in. Right. It's challenging enough as it is in today's world, right? But, you know, if, if something's obviously not a fit, we're not going to be pressuring anybody into anything. Uh, I think the most important thing, though, because most people we've worked with have had houses or understand a lot of things. So it's not, we don't spend three days at Grandview hammering down on every inch of Grandview and that. Most people understand that pretty quickly. We'll show you the houses, show you Grandview. To me, it's more of a feel of the Caribbean, not so much all of Costa Rica, because San Jose and the airport is a whole different place. But I want you to, to get as much of a feel as possible as you can in three days. Can you see yourself? We show you our main town, where the hospital is, where the stores are, where your main part of the shopping is going to be. We go out to the ocean because it's incredibly beautiful and grand views in the mountains. So by the time you get our three days in, you're going to have a feel for whether it's right or not. Well, I have tried to ask as many questions as possible and touch on as many things as possible. But this is a big decision, and I'm sure that my listeners uh, probably have lots of other questions. So if they've ever been thinking about moving to Latin America or wanted to retire south, and it's and you know we talked on Social Security, but I think that with a lot of my listeners, we do have the people who have small online businesses, you know, or in that startup phase of the business, and this is a really good option for that. But if you have more questions, uh, Gil, where, where can people get a hold of you? Uh, where can we send them? Uh, typically, I'm using my Facebook page. So just look up the Grandview Estates on Facebook. I have all my pictures and stuff on there. I'm working on a new website. But the funny thing is Facebook really seems to be the place because you can access it on your phone and everything else. So just go to Facebook and Grandview Estates, and there we are. Lots of pictures of our buildings and you know, any questions you have, just send me a message there and I'll, I can give you a call or message you through Facebook. Perfect. That sounds good. And, you know, underneath the show notes for Gil's episode, we'll make sure that we have some links to the photos and uh, the Facebook group, or you can always reach out to me at expatmoneyshow.com. And uh, I'm happy to make an introduction and, and pass on information do my part to help because I think this is really important. I think that people need to have uh, plans in place and need to work with good people. I, the biggest thing in the world to me, and, and I hope my, all my listeners know this, is that uh, you guys are well taken care of. Um, that's the biggest, biggest, biggest thing to me is everybody that I have on this show, everybody that I decide to partner with. You know, I've done a lot of due diligence on, and I want to make sure everybody is taken care of because I would, uh, I'd feel pretty terrible if I 
sent a referral to someone and it wasn't what I said it was. So I feel very confident with Gil and, uh, and I hope that you guys take advantage of this opportunity. Gil, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it and uh, we'll talk soon, okay? Okay, thank you very much. God bless you, Mikhail. Thanks so much. Hey everyone, I just want to tell you about a great opportunity. You see, we've had a massive interest lately in learning a second language. And I do a lot of my language training with my very good friend, Ollie Richard. We've been friends for three or four years now, and he's been on my program, and I've been on his program, and he spoke at my conferences, and I've spoke at his conferences. And he really is a genius. His techniques for teaching languages are just out of this world. He actually makes it fun and enjoyable. He was one of the main drivers for me rekindling my interest in Spanish. And under his tutelage and his advice and using his programs, I went from really crummy Spanish to quite fluent in a really short amount of time. So if you are looking to learn a second language or maybe even a third language, what I want you to do is go to expatmoneyshow.com forward slash language forward slash language, and it's going to redirect you to some of all these best courses out there in the world. And there's some special promotions going on, some special opportunities for subscribers of my podcast. So I hope you take us up on this offer and go and check it out. That's expatmoneyshow.com forward slash language to get the best resources in the world for learning a second language. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. My friends over at serenitynewsletter.com have a special opportunity open to those interested in learning advanced investing techniques in the crypto space. This membership is of the highest quality and is run by a dear friend of mine who happens to manage one of the most successful crypto hedge funds in the world. Crypto is the future, and those who make smart plays now have an opportunity to earn life-changing returns. Go to serenitynewsletter.com to watch a special video presentation now. That's serenitynewsletter.com.